0: What I'm attempting to do or what I'm planning to do is to help organisations to be able to innovate when their organisational structure doesn't actually allow innovation right now.
1: On today's podcast, we are talking to Carl Dean Tucker, who is starting up a cloud business during the COVID pandemic. So we're diving into what it takes to be an entrepreneur in a difficult market and what steps he's taking. This is Tech Talks, your twice-weekly tech podcast with myself, David Savage, bringing you interviews and news from across the tech sector. Joining me on today's show, Akish, uh, how are you enjoying this beautiful, lovely weather that we're having?
2: Yeah, all right, actually, Dave, uh, to be honest. I, what did I do? Yet? I went for a picnic yesterday, uh, socially distanced, of course, but... Um... Yeah, actually managed to get out for the first time in a, in a long time and just to uh, have a leisurely day. And yeah, saw saw a range of people, loads of things, um, a lot of activity happening, um, which is good, I guess. Signs of normality, um, kind of coming back a little bit. So yeah, it's good. It's good. What about you?
1: I went to Twickenham Green on Saturday. Mm. There is a pub just off the green. I'm not going to name which one, just in case they're not supposed to be doing this. I'm not entirely sure, but they're uh, they're doing takeaway beers. Yeah,
2: yeah, um, yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, uh, it, It's a bit odd, isn't it? Because you kind of go in and you order a drink, and then you kind of it gets handed to you, but it comes. they they're, they're dispensing it into empty milk cartons.
2: Right, like okay. you know
1: the. The, like the two litre or four litre milk bottles that you get in yeah. the supermarket. And yeah. then you obviously have to have your own drinks to pour it into. But the problem with all of this, of course, is that none of the t- pubs are allowed to let you use the toilet. So there's all these people that have like, dispensed themselves into parks, Clapham Common, Twickenham Green, all these places around London. No toilet facilities.
0: Drinking yeah, all
1: these drinks, no toilet. It's a bit of a logistic nightmare.
2: It is a logistic nightmare. And uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I mean... Obviously, we're, we're a guy. I, I saw, I saw loads of people, you know, kind of doing the same, having their takeaway beers, and you know, creeping into the woods, so to speak. Uh, it's a bit grim. <laughs> it is a bit grim, but phew, there you go. You know, if, it's a, if the government are
1: encouraging us to wash, I mean, why? Again, we've said this many times before, but surely everyone knows to wash their hands anyway. I don't know why this was had had to be some kind of like big national campaign to tell people they should be washing their hands, but. Maybe we should be told that we have to have hand sanitizer on us if we're spotted by beer with with a
2: beer. You know. Yeah, yeah. I, I did. I did. Extra caution. Yeah, I did carry a bottle of um, hand sanitizer with me. To be honest, Dave. Uh, <laughs> yeah, keeping keeping safe, keeping safe. Did not have a mask on, but. Hand oh sanitizers. dear. Yeah. Well, hand how can you enjoy a beer with a mask on? Very true. Very true. So um, anyway, yeah, it's all good.
1: Today's show is an interesting one because. Um, We have obviously spoken to lots of large companies, scale-up companies, uh, successful entrepreneurs in recent weeks, but we're going right to a a startup story in its very early phases. And and I like this because there's an element of being an entrepreneur in COVID-19 and what does that really mean and what are the lessons there? So Carl's our guest. We'll hand over to the interview, then myself and Akish will have some thoughts and then a little bit of news later in the show. So today we're talking to Carl Dean Tucker. Carl, um, you have a couple of different hats, right? You're a technical lead with Nationwide, but predominantly you're here to talk about your role as a a CTD digital uh, lead, Carl Dean Tucker digital lead uh, as a cloud architect, a technical lead and digital transformation consultant, effectively going in and working with enterprises at the moment, correct?
0: Uh, Yeah, yeah.
1: So that's
0: that's what I'm hoping to do over the, next coming years
1: how is the market as a consultant who's trying to s- establish a business right now on the podcast we talk to a lot of established businesses we start to st- we, we talk to startups who are going through a period of growth but sometimes it's really nice to capture that kind of that that genesis that founder story right at the very beginning but this is a difficult time to be going out and trying to build
0: up a client network right uh, yeah yeah you're, you're definitely right there um yeah I mean obviously I don't know too much about how it would have been beforehand but um yeah it's very tricky kind of uh, getting those conversations with people and people are not really looking to purchase services right now so now it's more mm-hmm. just about networking and making sure that people know that you know I can help them when they are ready to uh, start innovating or start delivering again
1: do you think that lack of experience of knowing what it was like before is going to be an advantage or a disadvantage? I suppose if you can make it fly now, well, you're going to learn some really good lessons, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's, that's something that I think about all the time. Um, just like keep moving forward and, you know, like everything's a learning experience. So just keep kind of knocking down virtual doors, so to speak, speaking to people and um, hoping to evolve it from there.
1: So what what exactly are you hoping is going to shape the business? I mean, we said there at the beginning, kind of cloud architect um, is is, is very much along those lines. But exactly what proposition do you think you've got for the market, which is slightly different from what's already out there?
0: Yeah, sure. Um, So I think we're living in um, very unprecedented times. So we're, we're starting to see that even more traditional businesses now need to be able to adopt the internet uh, to be able to deliver value to their customers via technology or via the internet. Um, whereas previously we were only really seeing technology companies um, use the internet to deliver value to their company uh, to their customers. Sorry. So what I'm attempting to do, or what I'm planning to do, is to help organisations to be able to innovate when their organizational structure doesn't actually allow innovation right now. So being able to buy services, um, particularly compliant cloud setups, and have that delivered to their business from day one, so that they can start to deliver their business value and focus on their business logic, providing value to their customers
1: when you say they haven't got the ability to innovate right now, simply because they don't have the tech staff in-house to think about these issues, or is it something to do with the structure of the business um, that that has little to do with, I I suppose, the talent that they've got in-house?
0: Yeah, so I think think it's a bit of both. I think um, tech skills are definitely in short supply um, in the industry. Um, And then maybe there's kind of a, a difference between skills and experience. You see a lot of people who maybe have a certification, but they only got a certification like recently and so don't have a lot of experience in delivery. But I I also uh, see a lot that organizations just aren't structured to innovate. Their team structures, um, their management structure, it's all a bit um, convoluted to really be able to deliver products out to the market. They're kind of built all around their traditional business model, not around product delivery.
1: It's no secret that there's a huge amount of investment going on in cloud at the moment. And it is that that emerging piece where you've got a traditional business that's now having to compete in a, in a digital market. And, and that is only going to be exacerbated by what's happening around us right now. But there are also a lot of companies and a lot of consultancies that already would supply them cloud services of a kind. So whilst you are offering something slightly different, how do you stand out and how do you go against established names and brands with a track record and win clients?
0: Yeah, totally. Um, So I think the key thing is that everybody is doing the same thing in the industry right now. They are selling teams into an organization who is already not structured to be able to do that product delivery. So then the team's focus Becomes less about product delivery and starting to carve out space for them to be able to deliver. So all of this costs the enterprise time and ultimately more money. What I am, um, what I am selling is to take the known patterns out of the major cloud vendors and be able to build it outside of the organization. So I don't get. Um, brought into all of the company kind of inefficiencies, and then hand that over to the company when the delivery is done. So it means that we can deliver it in a much shorter space of time, and ultimately for less money than the company, so uh, than inside the company. And therefore, they can just kind of take that and use it from day one.
1: When you do hand it over, what's the plan with making sure that they've got the capability and, and understanding of how to keep that going once you've, once you've handed it over to them?
0: Yeah, so I mean, these are more traditional services. So then you can fall back on the more traditional um, services that are sold into companies. So then it can be much more about pairing and ensuring that people know how to use the platform and upskilling internal stuff. The bit that companies struggle with right now is actually getting something built um, that's usable inside the company
1: now look lots of people harbor a notion of being an independent consultant maybe being a founder of a business where do you see this going where's kind of is it that you're going to do this as a consultancy piece is it that you want to build a business where you are selling this and you have people working for you what what's the plan
0: yeah longer term I definitely want to kind of scale up an operation so i i tend to have consultants that i bring in alongside me when i go to different gigs or different companies um, to deliver things to um different organizations so the goal would be longer term to build my own team um with the experience and the know-how the knowledge um that you know is great out there in the industry right now really package that all up in-house and really become um, a trusted a trusted advisor for companies um, who are looking to purchase these cloud services. One thing
1: that I'd be really keen to find out, then, because you, you were co-founder and COO of Orbital Works, yeah. right? And you were there for just over a year. Um, what experiences did you learn from that that you would take into a future co-founding or founding operation kind of style role? That you think, you know what this we did well, and you know that let's let's not kind of be shy about it. You know, Orbital Works did very well. Uh, one of fifteen of more than 140 in Europe to compete in IoT finals in Munich 2018, shortlisted for the finals uh, of the second um, China Innovation Entrepreneur International Competition. So there was there was accolade there, there was recognition that it was a, that it was a good business. But there's got to be learnings there that you can take forward into a second company and go, you know what, we didn't do this as well as we could have done.
0: Yeah, and I think what I'm doing now is kind of I'm going the other way around. So before we were building a um, a product and then trying to find product market fit, which is traditionally what a, a lot of startups do. Now I've gone the other way around and I've seen a real problem um, and I'm experienced in delivering in that problem. And now I've kind of fitted a solution to that problem and so now it's just more about communicating that i'm here and able to help with that problem that companies are seeing rather than previously we had a platform and we go in and go we've got this platform that can do everything do you have a problem that we can use to solve it for
1: so in terms of getting the message out there there's a huge amount of noise on social at the minute lots of people are creating content lots of people are Self-publicising themselves because obviously they can't get in front of people. You can't go for a coffee with someone. You have to do it over Zoom and meet and, and Teams and whatever else. There's maybe some fatigue around that. Lots of businesses are now going. Look, all of this stuff's great, but we've got to get back into the planning of how we get our business back up and running. So, how are you getting the message out there? Because it's a, it's a very difficult market to negotiate right now.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, right now, I'm doing a lot of kind of. Um, linkedin emailing uh, talking to people and companies that way trying to find out more which startups uh, have are having this problem because startups have like a very small runway to be able to evolve into a business right so if i can Get in front of them and say, listen, I can give you a fully compliant cloud from day one. So you don't have to worry about all of that complexity and setup. Um, It allows them to spend a lot more of their runway on on actually building out their product rather than building out a cloud environment. So networking with those startups via LinkedIn right now and then hopefully as the um, lockdown restrictions start to open, I'll be able to get more face to face conversations.
1: And and look, you know, we we are probably. It's tricky to ask someone how they plan the next six months or year to go right now, but as how do you see it evolving over the next couple of
0: months? Yeah, I mean, over the next couple of months, I, I think I'm still going to be delivering a lot of stuff internally into organisations because that's the pattern that they know. Um, mm-hmm. Hopefully, as things open up a lot more, we can start to. Uh, help organizations out by delivering outside of the organization, Um, they would have got a bit more familiar with remote working. And so we can really kind of hand stuff over to them and help them out to leverage that.
1: Well, look, it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you this morning and hear the beginning steps of this journey. Fingers crossed it goes well. uh, And you know, kudos for starting a business at this time. It's it's not an easy one, obviously. So, uh, uh, I fingers crossed people uh, take you up and uh, and invite you into their business. I'm sure it will be a success. Cool. Thanks
0: for having me. Enjoy your day.
1: At the beginning of lockdown, there was yep. a certain hesitation about going online and selling. Right, mm-hmm. all businesses have a product of some kind to sell. Yeah, uh, and, and lots of people work in sales in all of its various different forms. There does now seem to be an acceptance that it's okay. To knock down virtual doors, which is what Carl's talking about. Um, look, Akish, you're in a sales role, effectively. How did did you relate to it?
2: Yeah, I, I think I think over the last two three weeks, it, it's become it, it's now becoming the norm and and you know the the thing to do, right? Because you went through the first few weeks of being you know kind of quite sensitive to to what was going on and people's feelings and emotions and businesses, and now specifically in the uk you've seen so many you know schemes that have been rolled out by the government by the chancellor and all you know these sorts of things where businesses are getting given loans grants various schemes to keep them running and that sort of stuff so like you said everyone's got a product or a service to sell i think what i found in the last two weeks similar to, to carl has been you know trying to reignite that kind of relationship again or, or you know kind of building or breaking down that virtual wall, really. Um, and I think businesses and, and certainly leaders within businesses are now open to have those conversations again because it's the last month or so or few months has given them a chance to actually realise what the business is going to be doing now. Maybe some organisations have had a rejig of their forecasts, of their budgets, you know, taking COVID into place. So I think businesses are in a better position now to kind of know what the future holds as they were two months ago, um,
1: and, and in fact, talking to some organisations, you know, I I think the majority of people I've spoken to have said, in the this is in the private sector, we thought it was going to be really bad, and either we've actually done all right, or it's not been as bad as we thought it was going to be. I've not yet spoken to many people where like where they've said, yeah, this has been a catastrophe.
2: Yeah. So,
1: um, I mean, that's quite encouraging. Yeah. Anyway. I do find this point around, you know, basically what he's offering is a mini cloud outsourced model, you know, fully compliant cloud from day one. And then the customer can focus on products. Mm. And he talks about, you know, with remote working, this is possibly mm. an easy sell. And it got me thinking, outsourcing, the, the, the main kind of stumbling block to outsourcing has always been, well, they're not part of our team. They don't sit on site. You know, how do you kind of build that culture and whatever else? Now okay. that everyone is remote, One of the big barriers to outsource services of a kind has been removed. Yeah. yeah. So I was thinking in the post-COVID world, if, I mean, outsourcing was already obviously a huge industry, but if it's going to become even more of an accepted, you know, are, are companies' technology stacks going to become even more blended than they are? And especially as, you know, he makes the point. There's a lot of businesses now that you know haven't we, we we take for granted that everyone has 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 a good strong technology presence. They don't. Not all businesses have cloud. They're not all online. And for a lot mm. of small to medium enterprises, this presents a big difference and change. Mm.
2: No, that's true. And also, just thinking, is it going to make outsourcing fashionable again? Because you know, you look at what nine, ten years ago, something like that, where every company, you know, true chose to, to kind of outsource offshore, whatever you want to call it, send all of their technology, IT, to, you know, all parts of the world. And then in the last, what, five, six years, suddenly then, like you said, you know, when cultural awareness becomes a massive thing within organisations, when growth and, you know, the, the kind of people element comes in, then they started to bring everything back in, you know, in-house really, right? And then you saw technology teams get ramped up massively within organizations the maybe now you know maybe now there is going to be that shift again to be like well f- realistically can we get a 25 man technology team in every day to be working all hours and covering mm-hmm. all hours you know if it's a 24 hour operation or why don't we just outsource that and have someone working on it remotely or people so
1: I suppose the way that I'd see it is you know go back 10 years or so there were them there were the mega outsourced deals you know yeah you know there, there was one partner that had most of your tech and then over the last kind of decade or so that has eroded to become a field that is more and more competitive mm-hmm. and specialized providers of certain technologies uh, coming in offering you kind of hybrid models and people will work with five or six different Outsourcers. Mm. I, I I kind of look at it thinking this might lower the bar even further to allow someone like Carl to build a business that is hyper specialised to one particular thing and one particular segment of the market. Uh, and there's there's I think there's just going to be a lot more acceptance now that outsourced offshore services are are absolutely easy to. Because if the rest of your organization is remote anyway, well, it doesn't feel like they're a massive sea change to bring them into the organization. And I think there'll just be more competition.
2: Mm, yeah, no, true. And also, if there's people like Carl, and, and I'm sure that there's other consultants as well, that are able to offer that niche, bespoke, you know, subject matter expertise into an area, I think organizations would, would like that, you know, as compared to back in the day, who did you ask you serve like IBM, HP, you know, these sorts of people where huge houses, yeah, massive names, but realistically were they, and and I think what organizations always felt was, you know, were they actually treating us and giving us that value, that care, that comfort and understanding what their problems are and helping them. So I think with, I think with people like Carl, you know, kind of whilst he's got that experience doing his, you know, kind of day job, so to speak as well, he'll be able to add value. Um, and I'm sure there's other consultants like that as well, you know? Um, so yeah, fair, fair play to them.
1: I suppose the, the other point that I'd pick up on is, you know, second time around startup this time he's gone, here's a problem. I'm going to try and provide a solution as opposed to products. Now product market fit. People always talk about product market fit. I think product market fit is very secondary to, is there a problem that we can fix? You know, here's a problem that I'm faced with. It'd be great if those. Oh, right, there's not. I'll go out and build the solution to this particular problem. Product Mm. product market fit feels like it's something kind of that you get taught at university or school when you're studying business Mm. that really doesn't seem to stack up from the amount of people that we talk to on this show who go, "Yeah, we just really saw a problem. We never really thought about building a business, and all of a sudden there was business."
2: Yeah, I think it's 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 a whole. What's the thing and like theory versus the practical or, or something like that? Where yeah, product market fit it, it, yeah, it's, it's good in a textbook. I mean, I, I did business at uni as well, so like that's brought back some memories. But it's like learning about I don't know the four Ps or six Ps or whatever the hell you call, used to call them, right? um But now I think it's all about especially especially where the industry is and where technology is in 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 the world. You got to be fast. You got to be you know you've got to be mega brave and ballsy, but also you have to have uh, you know some sort of expertise lined up as well mm-hmm. in, in the sense that you're able to actually provide a solution because let's be honest there's so many people blagging it out there I'll be completely you know honest with you and it needs to that needs to i guess somehow be be sieved out or or people need to you know kind of find out who's actually just trying to pull the wool over their eyes and who is someone like Carl who can actually, you know, come in and, and, and provide that expertise. Um
1: I do wonder yeah. if, 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 if therefore product market fit should be added to like the bullshit buzzword bingo list, you know, stuff that people say that sounds good, but in reality, it's yeah.
2: Like, yeah. In reality, it's like, what the hell does that mean? Uh, yeah. I, I, I mean, I know I,
1: there's I, a theory I, behind it, but it's a bit kind of, I would add it to that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Right. With that, Carl, thank you for being our guest. We're going to go take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to be talking about Donald Trump and Twitter.
0: My, fa- oh, That's like asking my favourite child. <laughs>
1: <laughs> What's your favourite podcast? Uh, I think Football Ramble. House of Rugby. Um, Billy Yang's um, podcast. Freakonomics. Um, is Science Versus. And they're always very quirky. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I listen to that a lot just because the camaraderie and the individual's. YourCast is a brand new podcast series where we talk to people making podcasts. On this show, you're going to hear some exciting new talents, as well as some of the biggest names in the podcasting industry. We're releasing weekly in all the places where you'd normally get your podcasts from. Twitter hides Donald Trump tweet for glorifying violence. Trump's enraged because he's crying foul around free speech, despite trying to kind of, you know... um, basically only only talking to fox and friends because they like him and telling everyone else that everything else is fake news so you know we we know that he's you know not double standards on any of this shit uh but twitter have basically hidden some of his uh tweets for glorifying violence around what's going on in the states at the minute yep. donald trump's not very happy about this there's a surprise um and uh basically trump has responded by threatening um twitter with regulation So regulation has gone from something that we kind of really want to being something that Trump's using as a bit of a threat. So uh, he sent several angry tweets himself uh, accusing Twitter of doing nothing about all the lies and propaganda being put out by China or the radical left Democratic Party and warning that it will be regulated. I just find it's fascinating that all of a sudden regulation is now a toy to be thrown around by a petulant little... You know, yeah, shit in the White House. Who is is not helping situation on the ground no. at the minute. In the States, he's, which is he's really using
2: um, he's using his regulation. Well, his he's using his right to set regulations as his own trump card. Really, isn't he like just to say, well, I'm I'm in effect untouchable. So if you want to do anything against me, I'll just pass a few bills and that sort of stuff right and I'll come I think, I think to this
1: is I think this is really interesting because neither of them is backing down um th- <laughs> Trump has signed an executive order that aims to remove Twitter's protections against civil claims in cases where it acts as an editor rather than a publisher um but Twitter Twitter on on bowing to him which actually we want regulation of big tech but We don't want government oversight of stuff it doesn't understand, especially not when it's driven by political demands. You know, one thing we don't want is uh, someone coming into power in the UK who puts a piece of regulation in place specifically because of a political firestorm going on at any one particular moment that then we're lumbered with that doesn't make any sense. We need good regulation. And it's, I, you know what? On this, on this, on this occasion, all all good for big tech standing up to government and going, no, we're not just going to do what you ask. Which you know we're often moaning about Amazon and Facebook and whatever else. But
2: mm. there are two
1: sides to every argument. I just thought it was very interesting.
2: Yeah, no, definitely. And also, I think fair play to Twitter. They um they are holding their ground. But also, just an, an absolute side note is, Trump loved Twitter when. He was, you know, running for election. He loved it when he launches all his hotels, all his casinos, and all, you know, things like that. And it wasn't he one of the most after, like your Kardashians and all that sort of thing. He's one of the most followed people in 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 the US. Um,
1: yes, although he claims yeah. that he's the most followed president or whatever else, but Barack Obama's got twice as many followers. Yeah, you know, he, just, he just ignores that and tells people,
2: yeah, exactly, that's blatantly not true. Well, I mean, it's not the first time he's uh, he's done that. It's not the first time we've spoken no. about him on this podcast either. But um,
1: yeah, I'll no, sorry, folks, sorry, folks. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, after the autumn, we might you know not talk about him anymore. Yeah. That would be lovely. Yeah, that would be delightful
2: <laughs> if we can influence that vote by anything. <laughs> if you're American it.
1: and you're listening. Yeah. don't don't be stupid <laughs> just think please, please. Like, hopefully if you're listening to this you're not you yeah. know if you're tuning yeah. into a very liberal podcast about technology you're probably not voting for Donald Trump let's <laughs> yeah. be honest. Um, anyway yeah. uh, on that note Akish thanks for your time uh, I'll let up. you go uh, enjoy the sunshine work yeah. have
2: lunch yeah, yeah. something work. like that yeah work something like um, that carry on with the rest of the day I guess yeah
1: <laughs> and uh, we'll talk to you later in a week